It's in the news today, but it was actually on TV Reload, the podcast, last week. Hey guys, welcome back to TV Reload. Thank you for clicking and downloading on today's episode with original Titan Viola, the sixth eliminated contestant from this year's Australian Survivor on Network 10. I will be talking about her time in Samoa and of course what she thinks now that the smoke has well and truly been snuffed out on her torch. Australian Survivor Titans vs Rebels is a showdown that pits the winners against the underdogs and the bigwigs against the battlers, with each player competing for the grand prize of half a million dollars. Viola was originally from South Sudan and moved to Australia when she was two years old. The power lift and strength coach made an easy choice for her to be a part of the Titans team. And on the outset, Viola made a strong connection with fellow Titan Valeria, gaining a power couple status with fellow castaways calling them the two Vs. They bonded with diplomat Mark, creating a new trio, which Mark intended to use to break up his original alliance with the middle-aged mafia. Their plan was to eliminate Sweet Caroline first, but in the confusion of the buff swap, sadly Viola found herself blindsided when Caroline led a preemptive strike against the three of them. Viola will reveal how she was cast on Australian Survivor and if being previously seen on the doghouse helped her with the folks at Network 10. We will unpack that blindside where we will find out if she thought Mark was in fact a part of her demise, which we will then find out if Viola wants her elimination revenged by her remaining friends. I will ask Viola about how Alex comes across in real life and what she thinks of contestants like Aileen, Raymond and Scott who have been getting a little less screen time. Plus we will find out why being malleable is important and why tight bonds with fellow contestants makes you an easy target. There is so much to unpack with Viola and she is really fun to chat to today so sit back and relax as we dive just that little bit deeper into the world of Australian Survivor. I have to say to you right off the bat, I was so impressed with how humble you were. You know, you often see people that have been eliminated, their their torches have been snuffed, yeah. and then uh, they have their little piece to camera and you can see that they're so angry. You were fantastic. <laughs> I, I think it just comes from a standpoint of like game respects game. You know what I mean? Hate the player? No. Don't hate the player, sorry. <laughs> Don't hate the player, I hate the game. I think in a game like Survivor, and you when you know what everyone goes through and you know the decisions they have to make on the day-to-day, you can respect good gameplay when it's being shown. So I was like, listen, it is what it is. Respect to you. How did you treat the game of Australian Survivor? I mean, what were your biggest influences when it came to taking on this sort of a competition? Yeah, so one of the biggest ones was Shani. I think Shani's like social gameplay really just showed how important that was over things like physical gameplay. It would be really easy for me to go in and, you know, rely on the fact that I'd be decent at challenges and think that's going to get me through. But I knew that wasn't going to do much for me in the long term. So I knew I had to rely more so on finding a strong person that I could align myself to, which being Mark and Valeria. I think that strategy works really well for Shawnee and I was prepared to follow a similar gameplay. But I think I just should have put a bit more strategy into it. There is a lot of people that will do their research before going in and they'll watch specific players and assume that that timeline will play itself out the same way, where... The game is different every single time. And then you throw something like Titans versus Rebels, which by name alone, you know, they are going to throw things out of whack. They're going to do things differently. When I got onto that island, right, because I knew why they selected me, but I didn't know who else they selected. So I remember we're all sitting around in a cubicle circle. We just met each other. We just sort of like, you know, sussing each other out. And one by one, every Titan is saying why they're a Titan, what they do for work. 
And as we go around the circle, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm a little fish in a really, really, really big pond. So I think the Titans really were Titans because of the stuff they've done in life. At the same time, I think it put me in such an interesting predicament where I was lucky in the sense that everyone was a first-time player, but unlucky in the sense that I'm playing with players that I used to be in the top of the game. So I'm like... True. I mean, there was a lot of chatter about you being on another show, The Dog House. And that was really interesting because I was reading on the comment section last night, people were wondering whether that was a little step into television and did that help you get onto Australian Survivor? I just assumed they were unrelated, but what can you tell mm-hmm. us about that? So they're unrelated. Even when I got, it's so funny. Like I didn't tell the doghouse anything about Survivor because it's a very like close and confidential sort of thing, right? And like, I didn't know if I could even tell them. So I was like, listen, I'm not going to shoot myself, shoot my shot because I want to have a big mouth. So I didn't tell the doghouse anything about me being a Survivor, but I did mention to Survivor that I was in the doghouse. And I think even with that, when I got off the show, it was like, what, a few weeks and then straight away, looking skinny as hell, I was off to filming the doghouse. <laughs> so the two shows, they had like absolutely nothing to do with each other. And it's so interesting, everyone thinking that like, I have these secret connections, da, da, da. I'm like, no, babes. I just applied. <laughs> I applied and my personality spoke for itself. And I, I just think- always think it's so funny because like, you know, when we, we look at things, you know, we simplify and we always believe we know something with the nature of the way you could be cast on a show like Australian Survivor and take part in a competition like this. Those two things seem very unrelated to me, but for the untrained eye, they probably thought, well. It's both Channel 10. I guess it makes sense. But I think what the doghouse did teach me in preparation for survival, I guess, was the production side of things. And like being aware that like, oh my gosh, there's a reality of the actual show being like, you really got to live through the conditions. So I think it prepared me to not expect something so, so vast from what I was going into. And I think on top of that, it really taught me as well that like the way you come across, it comes from the words that you say. Treat people how you would in your day to day and you'll be okay. So I think that really helped me a lot. I think the doghouse... It gave me a bit of heart. <laughs> I was able to take onto the show. I thought you were going to say, I learned from the doghouse, if you sleep with dogs, you catch fleas. See, I'm bad. I'm not that bad. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I think it's an unrelated quote again. Um, It's funny that you mentioned the conditions because it does seem like at this point of the competition that the castaways are getting a little bit more conditioned to the conditions, I'd say. Over time, you could just kind of accept your new reality, right? Because like everything that happens is is everything that happens. You don't know what's happening in the outside world. So in many ways, you start to accept certain things like, you know, the fact that your back's always going to be crooked when you sleep or the fact that your stomach is always going to rumble to some degree. Um, I think after a while, we accept it. But at the same time, it does get harder. When I first got on Survivor, I was feeling really confident. I was like, yeah, I've trained for this. Like, I did my exercises. I'm a strength conditioning coach. I had this really big ego that really got knocked down and humbled by the reality of Survivor. Like, I think when I got on and I realized, oh my gosh, I'm actually losing strength. I'm actually losing like body weight and whatnot. I'm, I'm not as strong and confident in my capacity as I usually would be. I think it humbled me to a degree where I was like, I can't rely on my physical strength. Like I have to rely on my social play. I have to rely on my strategic play because that's going to deplete. Yeah, well, I want to get into that in a second, but I just was going to say last night, Kelly arrived back and was saying that she orchestrated Nathan's exit from the show, which seemed like her kind of backpedaling in a way, you know, trying to get out of maybe what she didn't do while she was there. What do you think of Kelly? Boy, I was having the sweetest dream of my life. Like I was back in Australia. I was like eating a nice stack of barbecue ribs and all of a sudden I got woken up. It just killed a vibe for me. So I think like the way Kelly entered was definitely a shock and to see her gameplay the live now is also a shock. I think she's a very interesting player and I haven't figured out her gameplay yet. It could potentially make her last very, very long because people can predict the unpredictable unpredictable behavior of 
Kelly. I think she's making good television. You know, at the end of the day, she looks like one of those people that you'd be like, I don't know if I could live with you, but I'm entertained by the turbulence that comes with someone's personality type that is so vastly different from everybody else's. She's definitely like the most extroverted person I've ever met. In many ways, Kelly can be misunderstood. And I think, unfortunately, in Game of Survivor, I think it's one of those places where she's most likely misunderstood. I think in a different context, perhaps um, she has a very different side that we don't know about. But I think Kelly definitely made for really good TV. Well, you know, what's interesting, though, because she was kicked to the curb from the Rebels team. And so when she returned, I thought it was quite unreasonable of them to just assume that she would feed the information or the truth back to them. You know, I kind of felt like it Mm. seemed... Strange that that's what they wanted from her. Perhaps they felt as though Ellie, oh, sorry, Kelly owed them. I think at that point it was may have been like a tip for tat, like, okay, yeah, but you did all this, so you owe us this kind of information. You're not justified to feel hurt. But in saying that, yeah, you are justified to feel hurt. They, they like rejected you to that degree, so I get it. What I was going to ask you is, do you think that the biggest players in the game, like a Ferris and a Kirby, should be more worried about some of those sleeping giants in the background? I mean, Eileen and Scott and Raymond they're not getting a lot of airtime, but mm. something is making me feel like they're not just fodder for the kings and queen of the show to eliminate. Yeah, like I dare say, like Eileen is a phenomenal player, and I think her gameplay, if it's being low key, I think it's working out really, really well. I think in the Rebels tribe, there's a lot of phenomenal players, like straight up, and I think the absolute luck of all of them ending in that kind of scenario after a tribe swap. I don't know what kind of prayers they're making, but I need to get a hold of that. <laughs> but I think that it definitely is potential for someone like Eileen, especially, as well as Scott, but definitely Eileen also in my um, view, to definitely make some big moves. But I think it's one of those situations where time will tell. I think it's just going to see how that evolves. But I do think they're going to need to sort of watch them on a bit more than they are. Yeah. Last night, all the super fans were trying to pick who was going to get the biggest blindside. I don't know if you saw that on social media, but, you know, the episode was being promoted as the biggest blindside so far. You get to finally watch the 360 degree view of Survivor by watching the episode. What mm-hmm. surprised you the most by the work that was done behind the scenes that you didn't see in Samoa? What surprised me... Caroline did surprise me. I think her capacity to get the numbers and have short conversations, short efficient, as opposed to like long conversations where you tell the entire plan and da 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 the backstory. I think her ability to have short, efficient conversations and switch Eden and switch uh, Kitty, I think that was really, really impressive. Like, I'm like, you know what? That was well played. Respect to you. Like, I definitely didn't see you coming um, at that speed and that accuracy. So I think 100% that surprised me. And I think what surprised me was everyone's reasons for coming on board with the plan. I think, for example, I think Sarah mentioned in her confessional was because I didn't share much information with her, which I'm like, you know what? That's understandable. I get that because Mm. in my position, I couldn't. Because I put a target on my back, but in your position, that puts a target on your back either way. So I'm like, I get that. And the you know, Rihanna's reason, I get that. But I think for the most part, everyone had sufficient reasons and I can respect it. I don't think there was any sense of like, oh, I've got to get to out because or something yeah. was unrelated to my character. I mean, this is the thing. I feel bad for Mark in a way because, you know, Kitty, Caroline and Eden, you know, they were all in an alliance with Mark. Yeah, it was kind of interesting to see them leaving him out of the conversation when it came to them coming for your blind side. 
Do you hope now that Mark is going to seek your revenge? There's one thing they don't show, and that's the depth of myself and Val's and Mark's relationship. They don't show just how much we were like all for each other. I think we all had an understanding that we wouldn't turn on each other and it was our backs against the wall. And we felt okay. as though this was the lives that really counted in the long term for the game. So I think definitely like I'd be very surprised if they did eventually. I think if that was me in their shoes, I would not be satisfied until someone goes home. So I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays. But um, even when I got out, I think there was so much like shock or so much um it happened so quickly that you don't really realize like you know what's happening you knew that mark had nothing to do with it right no so when i got off the show i was i was just reflecting i was like wait a minute did mark betray me like it did became very unclear because i kind of have conversations with people so i'm like i'm not sure what happened i was like wait a minute but you're feeling better about it now that you know that mark didn't oh my lord when i tell you the heart relief did you send him a christmas present this year <laughs> Yeah. Well, actually, went and visited Mark. Like, I've hung out with um, Valeria multiple times. Mark's in Brisbane. I went over and, like, met him and his wife and whatnot. So I think we have a very close relationship, friendship between all three of us. So it works out. Shortly after a few drinks, then he would have revealed that he had your back, right? But I guess he's still, you know, even when they would tell you that in the real world, until you watch it on the television, until you watch to see how it happened, you'd still be slightly reserved. Do, you know, I think a lot of people have been talking about this. And in the game of Survivor, any kind of alliance that is super duper strong or a real connection that is formed can be a bit of a weakness to your game. And you, with the 2V alliance, does that make you now wonder and second guess whether or not it was a good idea for you to have such a strong connection with Valeria? Yeah, I told us though, at the time, at the point in the game where me and Valeria were forming our connection, it was a point in the game where everyone was forming connections. You know, we sort of broke up into individual pairs and trios uh, based off the friendships we had. But for that reason, I felt as though myself, even though me and Val were very, very close, I felt as though it wasn't something that should be targeted considering everyone had their own person in their own regard. But I think looking back now, especially seeing, you know, Winner and Jaden's gameplay, where they're like, the ability to be malleable, I think it makes them very flexible as a player and very uh, easy to align yourself with. Because, you know, that they're working in their best interests. So I think in the future, perhaps I'll consider it. I think it just really depends on the characters I come across. I think if I was to recognize another version of Valeria or someone else with like that kind of uh, similarities, I think it'd be very difficult for me to not align myself with them. But I think I'll definitely be a lot more covert about the depth of their lives. I think malleable is the word, isn't it? Like, isn't that seems to be like the currency to keep yourself in the game as long as you can, you know, because you can't get stuck on a consistent, you can't stuck, get stuck on one relationship. It, it is interesting though, because you've left two of your best friends behind in the competition. I was curious to ask you about the advice that you may have for Mark and for Valeria now being left in the competition. What do you think that they can do now to keep themselves strong in the game? But what I know about the both of them, I'm like, they're, they're both would be very passionate people. I think it'd be very hard for them to just get over a boat like this. But at the same time, they're both really smart, social pace. I think they'll know to, you know, tuck it away. When the time is right, do what you have to. But for now, it's not the time. So play the game, play the friend card, play the, okay, you know what, that's fine, I'm valuable. Go ahead, talk crap about me if you need to, throw my name under the bus. Do what you need to do. And when the time is right, attack. Interesting. It is interesting. I think that's good advice, though. We always knew you were smart, girl. <laughs> How about Alex? You know, Alex is, uh, you know, he's got an interesting fan base that's from behind the scenes. I think most of them are people who are enjoying him and his speedos. But um, I'm, I'm really curious to know about 
how Alex is being perceived because he kind of is coming across as the goofy outsider in a way, or is he playing a good game? I'd love to know what you have to say about Alex at this point of the competition. Yeah. So from the short time I spent with Alex in the game versus what I'm seeing like being played out in front of me, I think my initial intuition about Alex was correct in being that he is anyone but himself. He will do what you need to do. He will vote what he needs to vote. He will stir struggle up if needed. As long as it's not him, he will do what he has to do. And you know what? I like to respect that. I like to respect that. I think on the surface level, he's a very sociable player. He knows how to connect. He has a lot of experience he can draw from. But on the surface, if it's you, it'll be you. As long as it's not me. Fair play. I love the fact that people refer to Caroline as sweet Caroline because she's nothing but sweet girl. (laughs) And Kitty, you know, as well, like, you know, both of those women, they've got a very serious gameplay that's that's going on behind the scenes but you know you had a relationship with them at some point so i just was curious about what exposed that fracture in the relationship you had with those two women because at one point it did seem like you know you were able to use that friendship there was always a bit of wariness because you had myself and val and then you had the new age mafia and then you had mark trying to be the the super glue that kept us together almost right but there's always that slight understanding that yes we're a larger group but there's also fractures within that group that will become apparent at some point and I think for me, I was still happy to work with them until Caroline started intruding on me and, and Val's conversations. I think in that kind of scenario where you're already hungry, you're already tired, you're already stressed, you're already thinking someone's out to get you. And then when you have someone so blatantly adding themselves into the conversation and, and stopping conversation that could be strategic, even conversation that could just be fun, I think it definitely made me have her as a potential like threat to my game. She kind of reminded me in a way of yeah. like, you know, when your mum would try and hang out with your friends, like she, Boy. <laughs> because you know, when, you know how she says totes, like she was in a conversation with you two and then she just joined the conversation with totes. And I was like, girl, there's a certain age that I think that you can't, I'm now being so ageist and people are going to come for me, but I feel like there's an age that you can't say totes. Do you know what I mean? Are you trying to give me in trouble? I already have Twitter coming after me because I call them senior citizens. I can't be involved with this. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's enough. I think we go. I think we got. Yeah, I think we know what we know what you feel. But it's interesting because those fractures happened at the same time. Then for Mark and Eden, you know what I mean. Like so, was, yeah. the fracture there appeared for them at the same time as the fracture on the other side. Was there something we missed there? Do you think that Mark had done anything to upset Eden? Um, I feel as though Mark and Eden respect each other, but at the same time, there's always the understanding that we are so similar in our gameplay that at one point, someone's got to cut the other out. I think right. it was like a weird sort of truce where it's like, not yet, but we kind of need each other, but at some point it's going to happen. So I think the more Mark started to side with myself and Val, especially after the vote where Eden got nervous, I guess the more that sort of made the fracture a bit more apparent in that degree. So I think on both ends, they were becoming suspicious of each other and that kind of, I guess, rippled out in the effects of everyone's individual lives. I've been asking everyone as well, in the ga- in the name of Survivor, like finish this sentence, you know, from what you now know, in if you can finish this in a sentence, in the game of Survivor. Yeah, in the game of Survivor, I've now learned the hunger is real. <laughs> the hunger is real. <laughs> but more importantly, if you feel as though it's time, back yourself. Well, there was a lot of conversations in that tribal council when it came to Jonathan and talking about when is the right time to make a move. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a very interesting time for Jonathan to be narrowing in on that conversation because it was time for somebody to make a move. And Mm -hmm. and sadly, that might have been you. They made a move on you. Like I said, like much respect, I think, to be taken out the way I was. I was like, 
that's a good game. <laughs> that is a phenomenal game. So I think much respect for doing what you need to do. And I think 100%. Caroline, back to yourself and respect to that. Sweet Caroline. Sweet Caroline. I don't know how she's going to go moving forward, but sweet Caroline. Um, What is something from behind the scenes, something we didn't see, kind of like a behind the scenes moment that um, maybe you thought was going to be on screen that we didn't get a chance to see? Yeah, I think what I was surprised wasn't on the screen was the fact that I did trust Mark, but at the same time, I realized that he was a massive threat. I think they would have, I really thought they would have showed my confessionals regarding that early on. I think one of my day one confessionals was like, has nobody realized there's a diplomat on the team? Like, is no one else freaking out? Does no one realize how scary that is? And I think one of the biggest reasons why I aligned with Mark was like, you know, one, I, I genuinely did get along with him really, really well, which surprised me. But two, I recognized him to be the biggest threat so early on. And I'm surprised it didn't show that, but I think it more so it, it shows to his capacity to hide that, you know, to be really chill and calm on the surface, but at the same time be absolutely ruthless and like strategic and long-term minded Vinny. And um, I think, yeah, I mean, even whether they showed that or not, you've seen that from his gameplay now. So much respect to that. Well, I'll we'll have to see how, how well he hides that in the next next couple of episodes let me say i don't know whether he's going to be able to i think he's going to be pretty unnerved at this point i just want to say viola thank you so much for taking the time and chatting with me about australian survivor i loved watching you on the show i thought you did a fantastic job and <laughs> nice to chat with you today hopefully i'll chat to you again in the future uh, of course well we'll have to come back and talk about doghouse and then yes. we'll come we'll come back when you're back on survivor and and who knows where who knows where you'll go from there i'm here for it, here for it. thank you so much mate. it's been lovely